Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Kamen. A couple weeks ago, I did a poll on Instagram asking people what were their biggest challenges around diabetes and mental health. And overwhelmingly, the responses were around fear of low blood sugar. For example, dealing with anxiety when your blood sugar goes low, fear of insulin, and the anxiety of trying to keep your blood sugars in range, especially when they're low. And one of my favorite responses was dealing with low blood sugar at work. Low blood sugars are by far the bane of existence for people with type 1 diabetes. Not only are they annoying, not only are they scary, but they get in the way. They make things challenging. And sometimes they can even make things paralyzing. People who experience a fear of low blood sugars have a lot of trouble with their diabetes management as well as with their life. Having to keep your blood sugar high because you're worried about going low, making sure you have that buffer in place so that whatever you do, the chances of you going low are reduced significantly. And then avoiding activities and not doing things that you really want to be doing because you're worried about your blood sugar going low, either because of the activity or just during the activity. So things like driving, because driving with low blood sugar can be dangerous. And so if you're worried about your blood sugar going low, you may avoid driving or going on hikes. Hiking can cause your blood sugar to go low and worry that you may not have the ability to manage that low blood sugar while you're hiking can really get in the way. In my work, I help people to navigate these fears and be realistic about the fears. And many times we're able to help people overcome these fears so they're able to manage their diabetes and live their life without fear and without the fear of low blood sugar getting in their way. Because fear of low blood sugar is not fun, and it's also not always very helpful. In this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast, I want to take some time and talk about how I approach fear of low blood sugar in my clinical practice. And I hope that this overview will give you a good idea about what you can do in your life if you're experiencing fear of low blood sugar. My approach may seem a little bit unconventional at times, but I want you to trust me. This is the approach that works. It's backed by research, and it's really the only way to be able to show yourself that you can handle low blood sugar so the fear goes away and your ability to take care of yourself increases exponentially. Let me first start off by saying that people with type 1 diabetes do not want to have low blood sugar. It's just not fun. It doesn't feel good. It can be scary. It can make you want to pull back from life and not engage in activities that are important to you. But then when you add on anxiety about low blood sugar, when low blood sugar becomes scary and even paralyzingly so, it gets even more challenging. So what happens when someone comes into my office and they tell me that they have a fear of low blood sugar? The first thing that I do is I want to find out from them 
why this fear of lows is a problem for them. I want to understand how it impacts their life. And most importantly, I want to find out from them what would happen if things don't change. What would happen if this fear of low blood sugar stays with them for a long time or worse forever? I ask these questions for a couple of really important reasons. The first reason is I want people to understand why treating this fear of low blood sugars is so important for them. How is it impacting their life? And I want them to be very clear on the impact it's having on their life. Because if it's not having a big impact on your life, then it's nearly not worth taking care of. If you're having this fear of low blood sugar, but it's not having an impact on your ability to work, go to school, your relationships, or your diabetes management, then my question is, why bother taking care of it? There's no problem there. Yeah, you may say that you have a fear of low blood sugar, but if it's not impacting your life on a regular basis, then just saying you have a fear of low blood sugar isn't all that helpful, and it's not worth putting in the effort to fix it. The second reason, and really the more important one, is once you identify the reasons why, you can see how the fear of low blood sugar is really getting in the way of your life. It's getting in the way of having really meaningful relationships. It's getting in the way of going out and enjoying your life with your friends, going to restaurants, going to sporting events, just socializing. It's getting in the way of you doing activities like driving long distances or going into grocery stores or going on hikes. Then you can identify why it's worth putting in the effort. Because as you'll see moving forward, treating a fear of low blood sugar isn't always easy. It's actually usually pretty challenging because we're going to ask you to put yourself in some uncomfortable situations where your fear of low blood sugar may actually increase. You may actually become more anxious. And when that's the case, I want you to be able to understand very specifically why you're doing it and see why you're willing to put yourself through some challenging and uncomfortable situations in order to overcome the fear of low blood sugar. And you were able to do the things in your life that you wanted to do that you feel like you can't do right now because of your fear of lows, it will give you that leverage that you're looking for to do that hard thing and push yourself out of your comfort zone so that you really can overcome that fear of lows and live the life that you want to be living without having diabetes get in the way. But without that anchor, putting yourself in those situations is going to be really challenging. The other question that I always ask is, what happens if things don't change? What happens for you if things stay as they are right now? What are you losing out on? How will your life be? And why do you want to change? What's your motivation? Because if the motivation to change isn't there, it's just not going to happen. You have to want the change you're seeking. There's no way around that. And finding the reasons why you want to change and also looking at the cost of not changing is really the key to help you make the changes that you want to make and get over your fear of low blood sugar. After you've really identified why your fear of low blood sugar is a problem for you, the next step is to understand a little bit more about anxiety. So what I do is I help provide some education about anxiety and why it's helpful and also how it gets in our way. 
Now, anxiety about low blood sugar is actually really helpful for us in some contexts. If you didn't have any anxiety about going low, I would be worried about you because what would happen? You wouldn't treat your lows. You'd be going down, down, down. And if you had no anxiety about it at all, nothing would happen. You would probably go unconscious and eventually die. Having anxiety about low blood sugar is helpful because it helps you take action. It gets you going and motivates you to treat your low blood sugars, even when it's not convenient. Just like if you didn't have anxiety about crossing the street without looking both ways. We want you to have anxiety about things that could be dangerous. And if you walk out in the middle of the street without any kind of fear, you're not looking around, you could get hit by a car. If you get in your car and don't wear a seatbelt and have no anxiety about that at all, you could get in an accident and get really hurt. The same thing is true for low blood sugar. If you're not worried about low blood sugar, you're not going to treat it. And so a certain level of anxiety is actually helpful and expected for people with type 1 diabetes. So what that means is our goal for treating fear of low blood sugar is not getting rid of anxiety altogether. What we want to do is we want to get you to a place where your anxiety is functional. Because if you have a fear of low blood sugar, your anxiety is not functional. It's actually holding you back. And in the process of treating fear of low blood sugar, I want you to understand how that works and why that fear is holding you back. However, that fear is not keeping you safe. If something is truly dangerous, I want you to be scared of it. However, with low blood sugar, while it can be dangerous, it isn't always dangerous. And it's almost never as dangerous as you think it might be especially when you're mindful, you're aware and intentional about monitoring your blood sugar and treating lows. Where anxiety gets dysfunctional is when it stops you from doing things you want to do, even though they're objectively safe. So part of the process of treating fear of low blood sugar is helping you to understand and rationalize, even if it's in your head right now and not in your heart, what is objectively safe, and what is objectively dangerous. So for example, let's imagine you're going to go on a hike with some friends. And it's a four-mile round-trip hike, and you go out with five units of insulin on board and no glucose. I hope that you are anxious about that. Because more likely than not, you're going to go low, and you're not going to have the resources that you need to treat that low. Now, I'll take the same scenario, but change the specifics. Let's imagine you're going on a hike and you have no insulin on board, your blood sugar is 145, and you have a backpack full of glucose, candy, and soda. But you're, wor- but you're thinking about not going on the hike because you're worried about going low. Objectively, you have all the resources that you need to treat a low if it happens. You have glucose, you have soda, you have candy. You also have friends around you who can help you and keep you safe. So while you may be worried about going low, that worry is not necessarily helpful in keeping you safe because you have the ability to keep yourself safe with the resources that you have available to you. But then what's the downside of not going on that hike? 
you missed out on all kinds of opportunity, all kinds of fun, the ability to get some exercise, to be out with your friends, and to enjoy the day. Some people ask me, where do you draw the line? How do you know when something is objectively dangerous or objectively safe? Because I certainly never want to put you in a situation or encourage you to be in a situation where you're going to put yourself in objective danger with your blood sugars or with diabetes. And the answer is based in facts, facts about low blood sugar. We can talk about facts all day long, but the bottom line is low blood sugar happens pretty frequently in people with type 1 diabetes. And severe low blood sugar that requires assistance, like glucagon or going to the hospital, or that results in seizure or death, is actually very rare. And it's becoming even more rare with an increase in use of CGM technology. I think the best way to think about this is to reflect on your own experience. In your time with type 1 diabetes, how many low blood sugars have you had? I've had thousands, I'm sure. I have low blood sugar every couple days. For me, having lows happens pretty regularly. Then I have to ask myself, how often do I have lows that are severe, where I need help, where I'm unconscious? The answer is rarely. Yes, I've had them, but it's a very, very small percentage of the number of times I've had a low blood sugar. I certainly don't want to say it's impossible that you're going to have a low blood sugar where you're going to be in danger, but the chances of that happening and the chances of you not being aware of it and being able to treat it is actually very low. Educate yourself on low blood sugar and the prevalence of it and how often people have severe lows. And then also think about your own experience with that and use your own experience to help yourself gain confidence that the chances that you're going to have a low blood sugar where you're going to be in severe danger are actually very low. So far, we've talked about a couple of steps that I use with my patients who are experiencing fear of low blood sugar. We talked about identifying why a fear of low blood sugar is difficult and challenging for folks and what happens if things don't change. Then we talked about providing education about anxiety as well as facts about low blood sugar. But in this next step, the rubber hits the road and we talk about taking action in your life even though you may be scared of low blood sugar. And this is called exposure therapy. Exposure therapy is exactly what it sounds like. It's putting yourself in a situation that scares you. It's taking action in your life, even though you're worried about low blood sugar. What it doesn't mean, though, is putting yourself in danger. We want to make sure that we separate logic from fear and knowing that we're doing things that are perfectly safe, even though they scare us. And that's exactly what exposure therapy is. Because here's the thing. You're never going to be able to get over your fear of low blood sugar unless you have experience doing things that scare you and be able to get information in about what that experience is like and get evidence that it's safe. We can talk all day long about things being safe in our head and how logically they're safe. But until you experience them for yourself in the real world, you're not going to believe it, at least not completely. And that's what exposure therapy is all about. So how does it work? We've laid the groundwork already. 
by providing education about anxiety and about low blood sugar. And now it's a matter of taking those things and putting it into action. So for example, going on a hike, you may be scared and show yourself that you can experience that fear without actually being in danger. The more you do that, the more you're able to experience that, experience the fear while seeing that you're safe, the easier it becomes. And that's exactly what exposure therapy is. It helps you not only experience these things, but also put together the pieces in your mind to see that you don't have to associate fear with those behaviors. And the more you do that, the easier they become. You're able to then go on a hike or go on a run or go skiing and do those things that you want to do without that fear getting in your way. But it takes a firm hand on your back to get you there in the first place. The goal of exposure therapy is to help you to trust yourself. Trust yourself that you can make good decisions and also trust yourself that you can handle difficult emotions. I'm not going to try to convince you that exposure therapy for fear of low blood sugar is easy. It's actually quite difficult, but it's the only way that I know to help people to overcome their fear and to see that they can handle it, to see that their fear is getting in their way and that really they're safe in the actions that they want to do. But the only way to do this is to get evidence. And almost always, you're getting evidence before you think you're ready. Because the last thing that I want to have happen for you is for you to be held hostage by your emotions. That fear is never going to go away. It's going to hold you hostage until you take action and gain evidence that you can handle the fear, as well as gain evidence that you're going to be safe even though you feel scared. I want to tell you a story about how I've used exposure therapy in real life. I've been working with a guy for a while now who is in his mid-40s, and he has an extreme fear of low blood sugar. This fear for him is getting in the way of all aspects of his life. He's thinking about his blood sugar while he's working, and he's constantly distracted by his CGM data. He gets overwhelmed by it. But most importantly for him, he has a young daughter, and he really wants to be able to take her out bike riding and skiing and just be outside with her. And his fear of low blood sugar is getting in the way. He's actually made a ton of progress by doing exposure therapy, you know, in lots of different areas for fear of low blood sugar. But the one thing that he's still struggling with is exercise. He really wants to be able to be active. He wants to play basketball. He wants to ride his bike. And most importantly, he bought a Peloton recently. He wants to use the Peloton to get in shape and also to feel like the, the money he invested in it is worth it. So what I've been doing with him is Peloton rides in therapy. I have a Peloton at home and Peloton has a feature where you're able to do video chats during rides. And so what we do is we have a brief chat online before we get on the Peloton and then we shut off the computer and get on the bike and we ride together. And during the ride, we talk about what he's experiencing, what he's feeling, what he's thinking, what he's worried about. We check our blood sugar and I help him to see that even though he's scared, even though he is feeling anxious, and even though he's worried about his blood sugar, that he can handle it. There have been a couple times during the rides where his blood sugar has gone lower than he wants it to be. And I've shown him that he's able to detect that. 
and get off the bike and take care of his blood sugar and then get back on and finish the ride, no problem. What's really been blocking him is getting started. And so exposure therapy is a great way to get started and to be able to put the pieces together in your mind that what you were worried about happening is not going to happen. Or if it does happen, to see that and be able to see that you can handle it. By doing the rides together, he's come a long way. He's been able to get active. And most importantly, he's been able to gain the confidence that he needs to be able to be more active in his life, not only in our therapy sessions, but in general. But he never would have been able to do this without that first step of getting on the bike and riding and working with me through that process to see that he can handle it and to see that his fear about what would happen was not in line with the reality of what actually happened. And that's what exposure therapy does. Now, you can expose yourself on your own. But if you're having a hard time, seeing a therapist may be helpful in this process to be able to work through not only the activity, but also to be able to process what happened and process your fears and process the experience afterwards and to have that firm hand on your back pushing you forward so that you can see that what you're doing is safe even though you're feeling scared. When those two things, the logic and the emotion, are at tension and they're pulling each other, guess what always wins? It's always the emotion. And I want you to have your behavior win even though you're feeling scared, because you know in your mind that what you want to do is safe. Taking action is so important. And exposure therapy for fear of lows is a great way to get you out of your comfort zone and get you taking action in your life, even though you're feeling scared. And for this man, what's happened is it's freed him up. It's taken the weight of diabetes off of his shoulders. He's not so worried about his blood sugars anymore because he's confident that he can handle his blood sugars if they do go low, especially when he's active. And he's confident that he has the ability to do things even when he's scared. And he never would have been able to do that without exposure therapy on the Peloton. Before we finish up today, I want to give you a quick recap of my approach to helping people overcome their fear of hypoglycemia. Step number one. We want to help people identify why having a fear of low blood sugar is a problem for them. We want to pinpoint how it impacts their life, and most importantly, what would happen if things don't change for them, if that fear of lows sticks with them. How is it going to impact their relationships? How is it going to impact their activities? How is it going to impact their work or their education? The second step is providing solid education about anxiety how anxiety is helpful, and also how anxiety can hold you back. The third step is providing facts about low blood sugar and the prevalence of it, how it's treated, but also the real risk of low blood sugar in certain situations, at certain blood sugar levels, and with or without supplies. Having those facts can be critical in helping you take action. And then the fourth step is exposure helping people to see what happens if they're low or if they're doing an activity that scares them because they're worried about going low during that activity. Putting them in that position in a perfectly safe environment and allowing them to experience that fear and see what actually happens. That is the point of transformation for most people. That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and share it with a friend with type 1 diabetes. Send a link to this episode and a text message or an email to them and let them know that it would benefit them. I would really appreciate it. 
And I always love hearing from my listeners. So please send me an email to mark at thediabetespsychologist.com or DM me on Instagram at thediabetespsychologist. And of course, be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Remember, life with type 1 diabetes is not easy, but you can have an easier time with it. And I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Podcast.